Now that cities are opening back up, there's a lot to look forward to. Good thing Amtrak has convenient downtown-to-downtown service with spacious, comfortable seats that take you and your loved ones to enjoy things like live sports, concerts, museums, plays, weddings, hair salons. Let me say that again, hair salons. Small talk with strangers, going back to the office, that can wait. Ah, the city life, just an Amtrak away. Find your route on the Amtrak app or on Amtrak.com. For the love of fall, Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes and pumpkin cream cold brews are back. Smooth espresso dashed with pumpkin pie spice and velvety whipped cream. Or cold brew topped with pumpkin cream cold foam fit for the season. Your pumpkin awaits. Order today in the Starbucks app. always get pumped up listening to superhero type music sci-fi space operas whatever it may be sci-fi movies comics anything like that have been pushing my imagination since I was a child and I love talking to people who are very creative and in that space in today's episode on Dr. D's social network We talked to Ben Lee and Tina Sessa Ward, and they are the creators of the Delegates comic book. So we dive into a variety of different themes related to their comics and some interesting discussions related to artificial intelligence and how that relates to the current world. So open your ears and check out the conversation I had with Ben and Tina. All right, we're back in the network, this time with Ben Lee and Tina Ward. Thank you guys for being on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. So I want to know how you guys met. I got to know how this this creation came together. (laughs) Well, Uh, yeah, go ahead, Tina. (laughs) Ben and I are still trying to work out who goes first on all these things. So bear with us. We uh, we met through through a, a mutual friend, uh, Allison Venor, who I had worked with as a producer, and Ben had it w- as well. And she had come to me and mentioned that uh, you know Ben was looking to bring somebody else on and and uh, you know to help on this comic book that he's writing, and and it was in the sci fi world and all that. And I was so you know super excited because I had already had a love of comics and wanting to write for comics and really toyed with it early on and then kind of just got caught up in, you know, live action and doing a lot of series work and stuff. And so I was excited to hear it. And I was kind of in between things. I had just finished something and, and, uh, and the fact that it was in the sci-fi world, I was really excited because it's really was hard for me to break into doing stuff outside of my normal kind of genre when I, uh, you know, in series work. Uh, so I really was excited about the idea and the opportunity. So Ben and I uh, kind of met and kind of took off from there. 
Awesome. That's great. So have you both always had an interest in sci-fi on some level? Ben, I'll let you take that. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, was, I, had, I, had I like how he had my... his hand up. He had the hand up. I saw I know. It, I saw that I hand. Saw it, man. <laughs> I was... I'm too used to uh, our, our Zoom meetings and, and meetings from work. Uh, I was also I had also like tried to uh, unmute the the phone and yeah. so clearly, uh, you know, clearly showing I'm a I'm a professional. Um, yes. <laughs> so um, yeah, I yeah definitely I've always had an interest in sci-fi. Um, uh, that was the original question, right? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I, I was very much into, um, I really liked uh, Star Trek, especially uh, Next Generation and the original series. Um, and, you know, love the X-Men, especially the 1990s cartoon. So good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, having the Disney Plus, I recently caught up on, you know, just rewatched that whole series. And it shockingly holds up pretty well, in my opinion. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and there's a bunch of other, you know, famous titles and, and, and stuff like that. That's always intrigued me. And I think uh, I forgot how I, how I said it once, but I think sci-fi is really good at exaggerating one aspect of the human condition and mm. helping to explore it either in a sort of mm. fantastical sense or a very intellectual way. That's very true. That's a good way to put it. Man, I, I've been a huge sci-fi fan like my entire life. My dad is just a still a monstrous sci-fi fan. So like, will I give anything a shot almost at this point? <laughs> you know, like I'm all about it. And then when Deborah was like, you want to talk to Ben and Tina about this comic they do and sci-fi? I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So what's been the, like your working relationship? How do you guys work together and what have been kind of the, um, what's been the aspect of growing together and doing this that has been the most fun and maybe the most challenging? Yeah. Well, I, it's, uh, you know, the, the reason that we do work so well together is because I think we both bring individual different things to the table and, and, when Ben was looking for somebody to help with this, his kind of big objective was to help have somebody help with character and help build character. And that's kind of what I do. I kind of always in all of my stories kind of character leads the way to story for me. So it was like a good fit because I admit I don't have as the knowledge that Ben has about all of this. And I had to learn a lot from Ben about all the technical. And so he knows all the technical and there certainly have been times, you know, if I was like, uh, I don't know if this actually works, but <laughs> I would have to go to him and, and talk to him about it. Um, but we generally would just sit down before every arc, which is six issues. And we'd sit down and, um, plot out the whole arc and really go through all of the stuff and, and really go through what each issue is going to be and, and all of those things. And then, uh, so that would be a, a few weeks of us working together on that, you know, just being in a room and, and just jotting stuff on a whiteboard and really hammering that out. And then once we felt good about it, we would individually go and start writing issues. And so we would always, you know, kind of alternate. And it was, um, 
you know, it worked well for us to do it that way. And we tried to like do it in different ways. Like I would write the issue and then Ben would write his next issue and then kind of do one by one. And then we were like, oh, let's try to write them at the same time. And so like if I was writing issue one and, and Ben's writing issue two, it'd be funny because it would be sometimes he'd say, hey, I just figured something out. As you do when you're writing, you figure things out. And and I'm like, oh, that is actually cool. And we should put that in. That that means I have to change this in, in issue one. And and so there'd be things like that we would have to do, but it, it all worked out. I mean, it was always uh, a much better story because, you know, we, we were able to individually just kind of get into that world and work out some things and, and find out where that story would take us. And, you know, you, you sometimes find even more stuff because you get to go deeper than just your basic outline. And, uh, but we'd have to make adjustments and we kind of would just kind of keep working that way, but that's kind of how we worked all the way through. So it worked out. Awesome. Now, Ben, have you guys been influenced by previous comic comics that maybe ones that you've loved growing up or that you've seen that you're like, this is, we're inspired by this. Has that been part of the process? Um, uh, I, I can't speak for Tina, but for me personally, this is where like my geek cred goes down because, uh, <laughs> be, besides reading like, uh, like the early 1990s, uh, X-Men comics, I've actually not been a gigantic comic book fan per se, uh, in terms of like collecting and reading. Um, the reason why I chose, uh, comic books as, uh, as the format was because, uh, when I came up with the premise, uh, it felt like it just needed to be longer than a uh, than a movie because I'd originally uh, before that my my previous art project was to write was writing and directing a movie, um, and uh, it, you know the the comic book serialized seemed like a good idea and um, I ha- did not really have the resources to um, do you know a ten part you know limited series on television. So I figured comic book would be a fun uh, format to play with. And so um, we, so, so because of that, you know, uh, I, I took most of my inspiration from uh, television and movies and, and books that I had really um, enjoyed. Uh, and so in, in some ways, I think that's been, um, there's pros and cons to that in terms of, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I, I, I don't know the comic book world inside and out. I don't know, uh, certain ways of how to storytell. That was, a that was a fun learning experience that, uh, Tina was very, very good at, uh, telling me it's more about showing the moments versus showing like a sequence. Um, and, um, so, so yeah, for me, like it, it it, it's been more of these other types of media that uh, I really drew some of this, uh, my inspiration from. Um, I, I, I know Tina, like, uh, definitely has titles in her mind that she really <laughs> Well, you got to tell them. You're going to have to tell them. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, early on, I, you know, was like most people when you first get on comic books it's you know you get in through kind of superheroes so I was like a Batman so Paul Dini was one of and still is one of my favorite writers and uh Bruce Tim and him and, and those two together doing Batman the animated series in the 90s was you know pretty amazing and 
so, you know, I went, you know, like that and uh, Hellboy and then Concrete and, and like those kind of old ones. And then Darwin Cook was, I uh, was a big fan of Darwin Cook. And, um, and now I'm kind of um, just all in on Paper Girls, even though it's done, but it was really my probably favorite comic, uh, you know, up until now. I just loved it so much. I know they're developing it into a show, but but it was just so wonderfully done. And uh, I just, I think that's a great comic. So, so yeah, I mean, there's other ones too, but those are kind of, I think, kind of the big ones for me. Gotcha. Now, as... I, you know, I haven't looked at comic books in a long time, but I remember growing up, my brother was like crazy into the Punisher comic book. Yeah. Man, he had like every one, and we would look through it. And I have a lot of memories of that. But has the format of comics changed, or how they're produced, or um, just how it's presented to people? Has that changed throughout the last couple decades, or not? Oh, I mean, I, I, I certainly think so with the, with digital. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, uh, that certainly changed everything, uh, especially for, you know, people like us that, you know, can do, can go and independently publish, um, you know, comic book. I really, you know, comiXology, when they came on the scene before they were even bought by Amazon, they were, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. And I love their technology. I love the guided view. I love that you can, you can watch it. You can look at it from panel to panel. I actually think that that enhanced it a little bit to me because I'm always one of those terrible comic book readers that are like reading the left side, left page and then kind of peeking over on the right. And it's just like, and it always, I'm like, stop looking, stop looking, just pay attention to the page you're reading. So, so the guided view actually like helps keep me honest. So I actually really loved it. And I, so I think that that has certainly changed. There's certainly a lot of people that I know that read comics that don't have any physical copies of it. And I certainly read a lot of uh, Paper Girls um, online. And then I, I bought the trades because I wanted to have them. Um, but, you know, most of the time, month to month, I was reading them online. Um, so I think that has changed a lot. I'm hoping that it's helped bring in more uh, comic book readers, for sure. Now, you guys... Uh, you're, I'm, you're not attending Comic-Con and all this stuff, you know, potentially back in the day, I guess not now. Right. Yeah. But was that something you guys were like even thought about doing or were you like, no, we're just not our scene type of thing? Um, it was definitely part of the original plan. Um, yeah. And, and obviously for various reasons, uh, yeah, obviously for the pandemic, uh, that obviously put a big, um, was a big uh, hurdle, a uh, big obstacle. Um, the other issue uh, was that um, we had first published digitally and finding, um, we were hoping to find a publisher who would take on the print part of it because um, for us, it, it seemed kind of difficult for us to, you know, pay for a booth and be at a convention and have nothing physical to sell. Um, that yeah, it, it, I, I, it didn't seem like it was a, a great investment of our uh, time and money, uh, in terms of that. Um, and, and so it really put us behind the eight ball in terms of being able to have a physical presence, uh, because I've definitely visited some other local, small, um, comic book, uh, you know, conventions, either we're talking about long beach or even like in the city mm-hmm. of San Gabriel, 
uh, here in the suburbs of, of Los Angeles, you know, they have a little thing here. And yeah, there's there's folks out there who are just hustling every week, every weekend uh, at these conventions. And, um, you know, it, it's really it, it really opened my mind about opened my eyes about like, wow, you know, you really have to make a strong effort. It was just really difficult for us because we were only available digitally and uh, had not really found a an, an avenue that made sense for us to be present at these uh, conventions uh, until we recently uh, were able to, we were picked up by uh, or worked with um, this UK printer uh, called Artith Merrick. Uh, it's really hard to pronounce and spell. <laughs> I know, so I'm glad you always take that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let him hand, fall on the sword, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what they do is they are, in some ways, they are similar to like comicsology, where they are, uh, you know, they allow people to self-publish. Um, so everything is uh, print on demand. Um, so which is great in the sense that like, I don't have to worry about like, per, you know, ordering a run of like a thousand comic books, not knowing if I'm even going to sell 10. Um, you know, the, 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 the drawback of course is like, I don't, you know, we don't get the bulk, uh, discounts on that, but at least now, you know, when it is, uh, finally safe to attend any kind of, uh, conventions and gatherings, uh, we definitely hope to be able to be there present and have, uh, actual physical copies and and, th- and and something tangible for uh, visitors to see. What's the uh, the appetite for comic books in a sense of like, or the demographics of people who are um, spending time reading? I- I'm just curious because I don't know, like, because I remember like when I was a kid and doing and getting in the comics, and then I kind of got out of it. Is it? more of your teenagers? Is it adults? Is a certain population of uh, folks who are really into it? I think it's a, I think it all depends on the comic book too. I mean, there's, you know, there's such a wide range, right? You know, cause there's like superhero stuff and then, you know, that DC and Marvel always put out. And then there was a little, you know, imagine that put out like, uh, you know, a little, some stuff that's a little bit, kind of left of superhero stuff so it's 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 all this different range of you know it, they're books so it's just if you think about books in general there's a range of different kinds of books that people are going to read and that's how comic books i think are i think that there's people that will gravitate more towards uh stuff that isn't superhero based and that has a little bit uh i don't i don't want to say social existence but but kind of, and, and will you know, gravitate towards something a little bit more towards that than superhero stuff. So I think it's really, you know, goes from kids to adults. And I think that's what the great thing about it is um, that you can find any kind of story you're looking for in comics and in graphic novels. I mean, graphic novels have certainly taken off as well. There's some yeah. really fantastic graphic novels out there that really talk about some really important things and have these wonderful characters and these wonderful stories. So I think it's really broadened out since I started, uh, you know, looking at comics. So I think there's something out there for everybody. And, and I think people are starting to tap into it a little bit more. That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about and diving into speaking of that, diving into delegates and the themes and characters and the creation of that. 
uh, for this comic? You, Ben. Um, ben yeah, Hall. sorry. Uh, somebody's at, <laughs> uh, neighbors at the door right now. Uh, can I give uh, Tina? Can you take this first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're rolling with it. Let's roll yeah, with it. Yeah, we're rolling with it. This is this is what happens when we're all That's kind we of do. stuck at home. It's like the yeah. it's the interrupting of normal life now. I never you worry about stuff it. like that. I just go, oh, it's just <laughs> part of things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so delegates really kind of started with again, as Ben was saying, he you know, he came to me with this kind of idea like he loved Star Trek and liked the core of these characters that kind of work together and, you know, had to tackle these things and, and all that. And, but he also, when he came to me, he also talked about Amina, who is our, uh, you know, AI character and the idea that a leader, uh, whether it be a, you know, a president would be AI and not a human being. And what, what does that do? Like, what, what does that mean for that country when you have, some, you know, basically a computer, uh, you know, running in the country and making these decisions. And I thought that was really fascinating and really kind of wanted to dive into that because if you think about it, if you have, you know, you know, Amina, who, who really is, she's not sentient, so she doesn't have any feelings or we wanted to make sure to leave that out of it. She's not going to turn into an evil, like, you know, Terminator machine or anything. Like Skynet, really wanted, right? Coming online. Yeah, type of thing. yeah, exactly. We really wanted her to be like a computer where she experiences things, she learns things, and then she takes that further, you know, and then she takes that into her next experience. So, so the idea of having a president that really is honestly like taking in information to figure out the best way to handle things. So throw out politics, throw out your personal you know, feelings or however, you know, all that stuff and just have this president that's really ruling from this, what's the best thing for my country? And that's it. She has objectives, obviously, Amina does, and everybody in the delegates program does because there's other delegates out in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, They do have certain objectives for their country because the the other flip side of it is that uh, (laughs) these delegates are run by Panix, which is this corporation, and they have clients, and often their clients are from other countries that have the delegates. So say, you know, our our fictional uh, China (laughs) has a delegate that they're running uh, as a president in Fuluwadabi, our, our African nation, like that type of thing. So it's the idea still that Yes, you have a president that is making decisions solely based on objectives, but it's that country is still in a lot of ways being run by another country for their own means. So it's, it's this wonderfully complicated, and I, I loved all of those elements, you know, of like, is this terrible or is this not a bad idea? And that's mm. what our character Marla has to deal with, is to try to understand whether this is good or bad. She is just you know, an American and, and, you know, going to a, you know, Africa and is kind of thrown into all of this. And she's a, you know, she's an African-American going into Africa. So she, she feels a, you know, a little bit more for it, but, but also totally just an American. And, and so she has obviously her views on what is good and bad. 
And so it's for her to kind of navigate throughout this because she's Amina's, she was uh, Amina's bodyguard early on, as you'll learn in the first mm-hmm. issue, but she was undercover. Um, and so they all, once there's this coup and Amina gets taken down, this all happens in the first issue. So I'm not spoiling too much. Um, they all kind of go on the run. And, and, uh, and so throughout the whole uh, series, you know, we have this band of four or five people that are trying to keep Amina going. Um, but also while still deciding whether this is a good idea or not. And that's kind of Marla's problem all throughout is if this is really a good idea or, you know, and so there's ups and downs for her throughout it. So. And this is, you know, it's awesome. And it makes me think the AI president thing is freaky. It's crazy. And it makes me think like, was the creation of that, a reflection of your personal feelings of artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm back, by the way. Um, okay, Ben's back. Neighborly <laughs> stuff done. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it turns out uh, my neighbor lost her cat. So that's... Oh, geez. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad. Um, anyway, um, yeah, definitely uh, w- when I first... You know, the, the premise kind of came uh, really in the early 2010s, um, you know, terminology like machine learning, automation, uh, even though I, you know, uh, I work in software, some of that, uh, you know, deeper understanding of how all that works was still very, very unknown. Um, so it was very fun to speculate, do some speculative fiction on that. Um, and so... Um, yeah, in, in general, like, I, I, I feel like there's some really, it could be used for really good things or, you know, can be really, really misused. And I think uh, there's some really fun uh, th- themes and ideas that I want to explore uh, with delegates. And some of these uh, topics, I think I heard uh, Tina already, you know, talk about. Um, so, uh, for me, I, I, I think it is a little bit like my, my personal and still growing views of AI, um, especially in terms of, you know, the world we live in the, you know, today it was, you know, it's much different than how I thought about AI five years ago when we started writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, and, presidents. and, and yeah. <laughs> Expand yeah. on that, like how you feel differently about it, how you feel it was when you're writing versus now. I'd like to hear, I'd love to hear that. Um, yeah, I mean, well, like specific, for example, and, you know, just can't help it these days is thinking about racial and social justice. Um, you know, uh, I, there's plenty, uh, you know, plenty of articles that talk about like when it comes to like facial recognition, Mm. Uh, they just don't do a good job when it comes to, uh, telling people of people of color apart. Um, and part of the reason is, you know, it's the simple fact that, you know, uh, a large part of software is still mostly dominated by, you know, straight cisgender white men. And so they're using themselves as the baseline and that has, you know, will will create you know uh, deficiencies when it comes to uh, capturing and understanding for the machine to learn you know 
the full spectrum of, of humanity. Um, so, so that, for example, you know, is especially how folks are thinking about contact tracing with, with the pandemic or, you know, surveillance, uh, you know, you know, regardless of how you feel about whether this, the government should surveil people, but nevertheless, you know, it is a tool that some governments use and that can have huge ramifications uh, when it comes to identifying the right person. Um, and, and so, you know, that is, I think, has, you know, it, it's something that needs to be taken very seriously. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I, it's funny when Tina was talking about the characters and kind of the themes, I was like, this sounds like real life <laughs> in many yeah. ways, you know, and I wonder what was, what was that decision-making and making the, the AI president not sentient or just very objective base? What was those, what were those discussions like, like basically saying, yes, we will do this or we won't do that? Well, Ben was very adamant about it in the in the beginning, which I actually really liked because I was like, "Oh, well, this is totally a different, mm. you know, uh, take on this." Then most of the time, whenever you see any stories about it, it's like they go bad, or you know. And, it, and I was like, "I really love this idea," um, but I'll let Ben explain why he would, had his uh, foot in the sand, or you know, was. Yeah. What is it? Whatever term it is. He dropped the hammer. Here's what he wanted. Yes, okay. <laughs> Drawing the line in the sand, whatever. There you yes, go. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. Let's cross them both. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, basically what, what, what Tina said, uh, has said, you know, um, it, it seemed like uh, a lot of mainstream stories about AI uh, basically fell into two camps. They became sentient and tried to, you know, wipe out humanity or they became sentient and ascended to like, you know, uh, something uber powered and uh, basically a, a plane beyond our own, kind of like what happened with the Scarlett Johansson character mm -hmm. in her, uh, spoilers, I guess. Um, <laughs> and also, um, you know, uh, and to, just to circle back to, you know, my inspiration, part of my inspiration was uh, from Star Trek, the, you know, Star Trek, uh, you know, whether it's the character da data from Next Generation mm -hmm. or I consider Spock from the original series in some ways is very much his character is like a supercomputer. And True. so both characters, uh, so Spock, especially in those storylines, was always like, in case of emergency, break glass in terms of the storytelling. Um, anytime there was a problem, Spock could figure it out. And I think uh, I wanted somewhere. So those were the two buckets, either super competent or super bad. And I felt like there was a lot of missing potential storytelling to have an AI character that was somewhere in the middle. And I felt like becoming sentient was part of the trope that I wanted to break mm -hmm. out of. Um, and, you know, one of the things I want to do when I when I try to create stories is to create things that most people have not seen or heard or read. And so I felt like that was a very fun challenge to do, how to make this character who will never become sentient yet feel like a real character that you, as the reader, will want to care about. Oh, yeah. man, that's amazing. Like, what is this? What is with this dystopic future we always have with, like, 
you know, machines taking over and just like destroyed cities. Everything looks like Blade Runner or something, you know, it's like, (laughs) what's with this fascination we have, you know? Well, it's the same thing we do to aliens though, too, right? It's it's something within us that we just kind of go to that place of like fear and, and that, you know, we're all going to be wiped out. There's not a lot of aliens that, you know, come here besides Superman perhaps, but but that come here and do, uh, you know, great things. They all come in, in, you know, and take over and wipe us out. So it's maybe it's just something within us that we just fear and that's how we react to it. Yeah, it's it feels like it's uh, a constant theme in a lot of mm-hmm. movies. It's always an alien invasion movie or the machine yeah. always becomes self-aware and it finds that humans are useless. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like you guys, man. No, you know, biological. No, we're done with this here. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I always find that it's like, don't get me wrong. I like watching these movies and stuff with that. But yeah. it feels like it's always, I like different uh, looks at. Like I was recently watching this movie called The Cured, and it's about like uh, zombies being reintroduced to society after being cured and the racism against zombies, basically. Uh, and the, and the in the weird uh, like that they remember what they did to people when they were zombies and all this stuff oh. and, and I thought it was really different. So I was like, well, this yeah. is a different take on the zombie movie. And it sounds yeah. like you guys are trying to you're doing something very similar. You're like, hey, we're going to take an AI president. And meanwhile, that's a very powerful statement because then you're talking about the office of presidency, and that can be mm-hmm. very controversial about what that means to people. And if you're just making decisions that are objective and not based off of emotion and feeling and which side of the aisle you're on. So it sounds like almost you're renegades in that sense, you know? Well, okay. I said, it. okay. I just, I put it out. There. You know what? Well, you don't need to talk. I've already said everything. <laughs> which is cool, but I also see a theme yeah. of like multiculturalism through that. And you're t- explain why that is a, uh, seems like a large element of it. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think it is a huge element of it. And actually getting into that world is, I always like to go into and write stories and, and that about things or being, and actually reading stories and all that. I love worlds that I don't know anything about. Like, I really want to know what that world is like. Like, I have no idea. That's not my life. And I I really want to know what it is. So, so I mean, in, in tackling delegates, there was certainly that was kind of already, you know, baked in. That was what we wanted to do is to have these characters that, you know, and reality, you know, we not, we aren't as familiar with as, as humans, but we, we dived in and, and, uh, you know, really did a ton of research about, you know, Africa and the people and the, what has happened and all these other things to really try to get as much of a knowledge of it as we can and then I, you know, I just really was happy to have these characters reflected on comic book pages because, you know, you know, most of the time, it, you know, there's just a bunch of white people in comic books. And, and so I, I really love the idea of us like pretty much not having any white people in our comic book and, and like just exploring all these different uh, cultures and, and really going from there. I mean, there are certainly, you know, times that, you know, I myself am like, 
always, you know, a, a little nervous and, and thinking this isn't necessarily my story and, and I hope I'm doing it justice and I really don't mean to overstep or do any of that. And I have to, as a writer, I have to kind of think back on how I, you know, take things, per, you know, personally, like as an, you know, open and honest, you know, woman and a lesbian. And I've read plenty of stories written by white straight guys that are lesbian stories. And that, that I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, you guys don't really understand this. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm like, I really appreciate that you're trying to get our stories out. And yeah. that's, that's what I kind of always hang on to is that is like, that's how I always looked at it is like, all right, they're trying to get your story out. Just, you know, this is baby steps. These things will, you know, eventually, you know, you'll be more, you know, lesbian storytellers and all this other stuff, but, you know, be happy that these people have seen your story and think it's valuable and they want to tell it. And that's kind of how I've tried to kind of keep it in my brain when we're tackling uh, delegates as well as, is that. And so, yeah, that's my, yeah, th- th- yeah, definitely agree with what Tina said. Um, you know, especially, you know, I'm uh, as a, you know, I, I'm, you know, Taiwanese American. So again, I've never been to Africa and there's, you know, the, the continent is just gigantic, you know, there's over 50 different nations with their own yeah. cultures and history and, and, you know, climates and whatnot that obviously, it would be irresponsible for us to say we are writing the definitive story yeah. of the African experience. Um, and so very much we had a lot of uh, long conversations uh, from the outset about like, how can we do this? Right. And um, yeah, in, in some ways, definitely uh, we are, you know, yeah, the idea was to make a specific story that, we wanted to lean in on, you know, being able to have representation of people of color, um, but do it in a way where it's more on like uh, more, you know, uh, playing with the science fiction aspect with the characters um, and doing our best to uh, fill in the, you know, the world that is uh, representative of, you know, what a fictional Central African American, sorry, sorry, a Central African nation would look like and feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, not try to co-opt any of their, their experiences uh, per se. I don't know if that made any sense. (laughs) It made sense. It totally totally (laughs) made sense. Actually, when I was uh, talking to Deborah, uh, about you guys. And she was, you know, sending your stuff my way. I said, well, this is very different. I like that there's, um, different representations in this. I don't always see this a lot. And what do you, do you still think that that is not as common a a deal in comics? Is it, is it more homogenous in comics? Again, I'm coming from like, I don't, I haven't read comics in a long time, but is it what you're doing fairly different from what is out there? Um, I, I, <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I'll, I'll just speak in real quick because, again, you know, I, I haven't dived too hard into it, but it does seem like there has been more uh, a stronger push to uh, to amplify 
uh, voices that haven't really gotten the opportunity to tell their stories as much. And, you know, uh, hopefully uh, that, that trend keeps continuing. Yeah. And I, I, I will add that I, I think that even us starting this, it's, it's been an interesting journey to, sh- to, to find out from like artists and colorists how they've always drawn characters and colored characters the same way. Right. And we, and when we were, uh, you know, coming up the characters and character sketches and, and, you know, facial tones and we're just like, guys, it can't just be one color, you know, it's just like, we all have, you know, different tones, you know, it's not like, you know, and so we were, it was fascinating because we were working with these wonderful artists and they just have done all this amazing work but it really showed that these characters weren't uh, in comics very often because it was a bit of a challenge mm-hmm. uh, for them to draw them and also to color them. And so it's definitely something that Ben and I, in, in looking at the pages, are always on top of. Like, uh, you know, his his skin tone is not the same as it was in this issue. It has to be the same. And, you know, it's darker, it's lighter. You know, we really try to, again, reflect that you know africa and how there are you know there's we're all different people we all have different colorings and and all that and and really try to stick to that and it really was interesting to to realize that there hasn't been a lot of this in comics because even from everybody that we're working with it has been an interesting uh, challenge uh to make sure that we're we're you know doing what we want to be doing which is you know be in somewhat because we're in this kind of reality slash kind of you know fantasy kind of world like we take a lot from reality yeah um but it's also you know fictional uh but there are some things in reality we want to make sure that stay and that get done right um so so i certainly noticed that and and going forward with it and found it very interesting and realized that wow we've really been without this representation like you know, it's the beginning of comics, I guess, but it is hopefully getting better. And, uh, I, you know, I, I definitely think on the independent side, and I think that brings us back to the digital distribution. I think that really helps because it allows people that didn't have access to publish their comic books for people with stories that are kind of the niche story or, you know, the stories that don't get heard to actually publish. And so now we're getting these more you know wonderful stories with these characters we don't ever get to see and these stories that we don't ever get to hear and so i think it's really opened things up and i hope that it continues to do so it's fascinating the the actual like working with somebody and saying this tone isn't right like there's different tones and having to actually explain that to someone yeah is is (laughs) as a as a as a black person myself like i i get that but i it's Uh funny to think because in the black community, there's lots of different tones and colors yeah. within the black community. But if you're if you're not used to that, and maybe you've had a more homogenous existence with that, mm-hmm. you may be like, "Oh, I don't, I don't get that. I never was was exposed to that." It's an interesting yeah. conversation to have to have. Yeah, I think it's just that within comics, you know, it's not that the people personally may not have had yeah. that experience, but they're just used to. Like, this is the color for our black people. And that is like, yeah. that's their color. That's the one color. And we're like, no, <laughs> right? that's, that's not gonna, not gonna fly here. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, but yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I actually, 
I had a, a black sci-fi writer on uh, here not too long ago. Awesome guy, Jason Primrose. And he was actually talking about, you know, uh, different um, ethnicities of characters and that, um, in his opinion, he didn't want to see, like, he actually didn't want to see a black Superman in the current version of it. He wanted right. to see a, a black Superman that was a different arc, character arc, that it wasn't uh, replicating yeah. the current Superman and what always happens with the current Superman mm, and stuff. And stuff. Yeah. So putting out right. like, hey, there can be a black Superman, but like, let's not just like insert black Superman here, same storyline here type of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I totally get that. And I yeah, kind of like that sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, uh, the recent Hollywood trend of like, it's a reboot of this, but it's now women. But if it's yeah. still written and directed by yeah. men, that <laughs> yeah, doesn't exactly. really, it, we, we are beyond the point of just having, you know, I, I, gosh, I forgot who said this in terms of uh, racial justice, but um, sorry, I apologize. But they talked about like, you know, five, 10 years ago, it was great that People were, you know, people of color were being seen, but now what we see right now with the current uh, social unrest and movement is uh, people of color and marginalized people need to be heard. And so that's the next step. We are, you know, at the point we should be sophisticated now in terms of representation where it's not just like, yeah, let's just replace, you know, yeah, this, this with this. Right. It yeah. is, yeah, going through the paces and actually thoughtfully, like, uh, you know, having the story work around that person's mm -hmm. identity. Yeah, and their experiences and what, yeah, it's it's all of that, but you're totally right, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we should be way more sophisticated that instead of just like a plug and play or, you know, we switch it out just so mm -hmm. we can have representation. Yeah. For that character, but like, well, what's unique about this version of the character and building a story that may be very different? And I think maybe that's sometimes the hesitancy sometimes when doing that is like, well, we're so used to this character exhibiting this these things, and you know, they came from Krypton and crashed, you know, on a farm every single time. Like, well, does it have to be like that every single time? You know, yeah. <laughs> like. You know, like let's let's and that's why I was like mentioning kind of that zombie thing before and and kind of how you guys are just like outside the box thinking and not being afraid to say, hey, there is a different universe for these characters than what kind of the comfort level you have with what you're doing. You know? Yeah. I know I said it. I I know I'm just completing you guys' sentences right now. <laughs> <laughs> We agree. I think it's amazing. I really think it's amazing what you're doing. I think it's really excellent that you're representing so many different types of people and that you're really thoughtful and you really think about how this is going to impact people for that. And I'm grateful to have had the conversation with you both today. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment to us. We certainly strive to be thoughtful uh, about all of this for sure. Yeah, definitely appreciate you giving us the space to chat more about, you know, beyond just like, you know, the the craft of, of comic book, but mm -hmm. about, you know, what kind of responsibilities do we have as storytellers? Yeah, yeah. completely. And you know, it's my Deborah. She's amazing. She sends me everybody. She has nothing. <laughs> and it doesn't matter because I, I think she was kind of like, 
I don't know. Would you be interested in talking? I said, Deborah, I will talk to anybody you have because you're amazing. And yes, I love she is teasing, amazing. right? Yeah, I love <laughs> teasing out all the things that make if you find them interesting and you want to work with them. I want to do the same thing. I believe in this. So uh, it's just as good as I expected to talk to uh, both of you guys. It really is. You're good people. You, it seems like you have a wonderful heart, both of you guys. And uh, um, again, I'm just thankful you gave me the time to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having us. It's been our pleasure. Of course. Well, uh, I really appreciate um, just what you're doing. And I know that the audience is going to really find it a very unique entry into the social network. So I will be in touch and uh, with Devers for sure. And hopefully be in touch with you guys more in the future. One thing I always tell people is once you're on the show, uh, it's not a one and done. It is. I want to continue to know what's going on in your life beyond this. So um, you will be hearing from me in the future. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Looking forward All right. to it. Yes. Have a great day and I will talk to you guys soon. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Darian. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine. And when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about and it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else it's your daily reminder that there is good in the world even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes so get the donut stay informed it's 100 percent free you can unsubscribe anytime Visit thedonut.co or text DONUT to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone. Do you know the risk factors for type 2 diabetes? Or what makes it more likely you or someone in your life might have the disease? With type 2 diabetes playing a growing role in the lives of so many, you need to know. And Project Power, a community program from the American Diabetes Association, is here to help. Take our risk test today at diabetes.org slash Project Power. You can avoid the risks of type 2. Project Power will help. Next time someone needs to send you money? Tell them to use Zelle. With Zelle, the money goes straight into your bank account, and it typically only takes minutes between enrolled users. And even if the sender uses a different U.S. bank, it still works. Plus, Zelle is already in over 1,600 banking apps, so you probably won't have to download another one. By the way, make sure the sender has your correct U.S. mobile number or email address so the money goes to the right place. Look for Zelle in your banking app today.